Hi, I'm Wes. Today is Wednesday the 16th of January 2013 and this is episode 2 of the Wes Wonders Travel Podcast. So firstly, I'd like to thank everyone who tuned in last episode and gave me feedback about the podcast. Uh, Also, thanks to everyone that subscribed. Um, It's been really helpful. In this episode of the Wes Wonders Travel Podcast, I'll be talking about Harry Fish, um, a photographer who entered a photography competition, won it, then got disqualified a few days later. Um, I'll also be talking about the new Thailand-Cambodia visa scheme. And I had an interview with a good friend of mine who just returned from six weeks overseas. All that coming up soon. Firstly, though, before all of that, I want to touch a bit on what I've been up to the past fortnight. Most of my time has been filled up with getting ready for a photography competition that I entered in the other day. Um, So this is a National Geographic Photography uh, Scholarship, is what it is. Um, So as part of the scholarship, they look at some of the photos that you've sent in and judge them on uh, composition, light, uh, if they can tell a story and if you are successful um the prize is an 8 day trip over in Oman um with a national geographic photographer um and the scholarship uh entails him taking around doing some of the things that he would do in a normal photography trip um you get a brief and you have to provide photos Um, from that brief and submit them to National Geographic and then they will publish some of them in one of their magazines. So it's actually an excellent opportunity um, and it's a a foot in the door um, to a career I'd really like to do. Like working for National Geographic um, as a photographer, that would be... um, fantastic so um i i entered my photos and did all the stuff the uh competition ended on monday and they will announce the winner uh sometime early february so um there was a a lot of very good entries that i saw um so i'm not holding my breath but um, i hope i've done at least well enough and i'm I'm proud of the photos that I put in. Um, so, uh, yeah, at least I've got that. And, you know, in a few weeks, if if I hear, I'll, I'll let you know whether I got shortlisted or if I won or if I didn't hear anything at all. But um, even if I didn't, uh, I'm proud that I entered and, you know, it was a great opportunity to look at some of my photos anyway and kind of critique myself Uh, personally, on the photos that I had done. So, um, speaking of National Geographic, 
um, the photographer that I was talking about earlier, uh, Harry Fish, um, he was actually in a National Geographic competition. Um, so what actually happened is he entered in the competition and then I think he went overseas um, from what I remember and he actually won the competition. Uh, I think it was for the best place photography um, 2012. So National Geographic hold these competitions every year. Uh, so he won it for 2012. Um, and as part of their rules, they require the winner to send in the raw file, the original file that um, they the photographer took. So he sent in his file to National Geographic and he was all um, pretty happy about the fact that he, he won, like it's quite an achievement to win a National Geographic competition as as you can imagine. So um, a few days later, I think it was three days later, so 72 hours, he got another email back from them saying, um, we're sorry to inform you, but you have been disqualified. Uh, and he, he it was quite a shock for him, as you can imagine. Um, and it was all because he didn't read the rules properly. Um, so in one of the rules, it states, um, it was the same with the competition that I entered, so that's why I know about this rule. Um, National Geographic states that you aren't allowed to add any object or remove any object. So a lot of, or, or lots of Photoshopping, you're not allowed to do that. So um, what he did was there was a plastic bag in the right of his shot and he used the clone tool and cloned some of the area around it and essentially removed the plastic bag from his photograph. And um, obviously that's not in the rules or the rules state that you aren't allowed to add any object or remove any object. So when he sent the original um, file, they saw that the plastic bag was there and unfortunately they had to disqualify him. Um, and I think the guy that replied back to him, um, the head of the National Geographic or the competition, um, he even said that it didn't affect the shot any, whether the plastic bag was there or not, or he could have just done a small crop and cut it out because it was right on the very edge of the photo and he still would have won, but, um, well, the rules are the rules, and they had to stick for the, stick by them. So I've seen a lot of uh, posts on uh, random websites and on Facebook saying how it was unfair of National Geographic and they should have let it go, but, um, you know, I can see where they're coming from. It's, you know, they put the rules in there for a reason, and... The, the reason that they have that rule is uh, a lot of the time on National Geographic shoots, um, they're looking for people who can um, see the photo that they want at the time because there's a lot of times where, um, you know, you, you've got to set up the composition of the photo while you're there. Um, so that's the kind of photography that they're looking for, um, somebody that can do it on the spot. Um, and not have to spend hours editing stuff out, yeah, because um, that would waste a lot of time if you can just get it done properly in the first place. 
So that's the reason why they have that rule. And a lot of people were complaining that it was way too harsh or, um, you know, a lot of other people on the other side were saying, you know, the rules are the rules. And, well, when it comes down to it, um, I'm, I guess I'm on that side. Like, it, it does seem harsh that National Geographic had to do it, but, I mean, if he had read the rules properly, he probably would have seen that. And um, it was funny because I read the rule that rule in my terms and conditions when I was entering the competition the morning before this story broke. So I, I do feel bad for him, but he... Um, this Harry Fish guy, he actually did a blog post on his own, I think it was his website or a website that he works for or um, posts regularly on. Um, and he was saying that, you know, it was a roller coaster of emotion, you know, winning a coveted competition like the National Geographic photo competition and then getting disqualified um, a few days later. Uh, it, it is pretty harsh, but. Um, from what I can tell, he, he responded really well uh, within the blog post and you know, he understood that he broke the rules and um, yeah, consequences had to be paid, which is a bit unfortunate. So he's looking forward to the next competition um, and he's going to give it another shot and try and win it properly next time. So... Um, but if you want to read the stories yourself, I'll include both the links of the story breaking and of the blog post that this Harry Fish did. Um, I'll include them in the show notes so you can have a read if you want. Right, on to my next subject, uh, the Thailand-Cambodia visa scheme. Um, I heard about this uh, maybe a week, a week and a half ago. Um, it seems pretty cool from from what I can tell, but it's very convenient. So you know, you're probably asking, what's it all about? You know, what is this visa scheme? Um, so Thailand and Cambodia have signed an agreement that if you live in one of the 35 listed countries, um, I'm not sure what those countries are, but I assume it's the, the main countries, the like USA, UK, uh, Australia, um, and I'm probably the Euros countries. Um, I'm sure they're all in there. Um, But if you live in any of these 35 countries, you only have to get one visa when you're visiting both countries. So this agreement's a trial into setting up an Asian version of the European Schengen visa scheme. So if you aren't familiar with the... um, Schengen scheme in Europe. Um, so if you've ever been to Europe, you know there's lots and lots of countries there um, and most of them are part of the European Union. Um, so when you fly into, say, France, you can cross over the border into Germany because it's also part of the EU and you don't have to go through any border crossings or anything like that. Um so what the Schengen scheme visa scheme is, um, is for countries like, um, I think, Switzerland. Um, they're not part of the EU, but um, be, they're part of this uh, treaty or the visa scheme. So even though they're not part of the European Union, 
you can still cross into their country without having to go through border control. Um, so it, it's more convenient and it's better for trade relations and stuff like that. Um, so what this means in relation to um, the Cambodia-Thailand scheme is uh, you can fly into Thailand, say, and get a visa for both countries. And when you want to go to Cambodia, you just go up to the border, pay for your visa, um, and then walk in, as far as I can tell. Um, I'm sure it's a lot more detailed than that. And so when you apply for your visa for either of those places, they do background checks at um, both the embassies. Uh, so it just makes it a lot easier going in between those two countries. Um, and, yeah, that's that's a good thing. That's going to boost tourism, I'd say, for both those countries because, you know, now it's not that much extra effort to go from Thailand to Cambodia. So I remember when I went, uh, I had to go to the Cambodian embassy where I live and apply for a visa, and I think I did that a few months, um, probably about a month before I went overseas. And I've heard lots of stories about people having trouble getting visas at the border or getting scammed because um, there's lots of scams over there. So just makes it more convenient for anyone traveling to that region. They can just easily go to one of the other countries and come back or, um, yeah, it just makes it a lot easier. But it also is good for... Um, like trade relations between the two countries. So I think in the story that I read, um, I'll put that in the show notes as well so you can read up on it as well. Uh, Thailand was saying how they're going to help um, pave some of the roads in Cambodia um, because the Cambodian roads and highways aren't up to to scratch really. They're, a lot of them are a bit shoddy. Um, so because they're it's easier to do trade between the two countries because the visas are easier. Um, Thailand's going to help out with the highways and help fix those up. So that's a very good thing. And I think they were also talking about um, extending the train lines out of Thailand into Cambodia, I think. Um, So that would also be very good, a convenient way to get from one country to the other. So... um, yeah, so all in all, I think this is a very good thing. So, But it is just a trial. They're, they're testing this out for... Actually, I, I don't know how long. I don't think they mentioned it. But if the trial goes well, um, the rest of the ACMEX group of countries... Um, ACMEX stands for a lot of complicated words that I'm not going to bother pronouncing, but it's kind of like the conglomerate. So kind of... A lot like the EU, the EU in Europe, the European Union. So that ACMEX is Thailand, Cambodia, Laos, Myanmar, and Vietnam. So that whole Pan Asia region. Um, and I, I think it'll be really convenient if this works out for them because you just fly to one country and it's quite easy getting to the others without a visa. Um, and I just reckon it will boost tourism for um, probably Cambodia especially 
for people that want to travel from Thailand to Vietnam. Um, they're both very busy hubs. So um, are going to do good for Cambodia and the Cambodian people and um, for tourism and travel in general. So yeah, I hope it goes well for them. And as soon as I hear more about it, I will let you know. So um, here's, I'm going to insert an interview that I had with a good mate of mine, uh, Jacob Laird. He is an architect by profession. Um, and he recently got back from six weeks in the US and the UK, uh, where he went with his wife. So today I'm talking with a good mate of mine, Jake, uh, who just got back from six weeks traveling overseas and is here today to tell us about some of his experiences. It's good to be here. Welcome to the Where's Wonders Travel Podcast. Awesome. So, six weeks overseas. Uh, tell us, where did you end up going? Uh, we started off um, flying to Los Angeles, and we were there for five days, and then we uh, flew to New York for seven days, and then Washington for two, and then finally uh, over to the UK um, for about four weeks. Sounds pretty good. Yeah, it was awesome. Did you have a favourite place um, of all those? I definitely had a favourite and also had the biggest surprise. Um, probably, as expected, the favourite was New York, um, but very closely followed by Washington, which was the surprise. Um, wasn't expecting much from Washington, but it turned out to be awesome. That's pretty cool. I I love New York myself, personally. Um, I've never been to Washington, but we'll talk about Washington in a little bit. Um, why was New York your favorite i suppose it's sort of like going to a whole nother universe um everything is different um the culture is different um even the way people live are diff- is different um walking through the shops at 11 and 12 o'clock at night and seeing families with small kids running around through the toy shops it's and and it's feeling like six o'clock in the evening it's really like the city actually doesn't sleep i suppose just like they say uh, did you go to the Toys R Us in Times Square and ride the Ferris wheel? Yes, to the Toys R Us. Uh, no to the Ferris wheel. It was full of five and six-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I went there, I just didn't feel like riding it, I think. Um, did you see the Naked Cowboy? Yes, yes, we did see the Naked Cowboy, and we were danced around by the Naked Cowboy. A uh, bit of a political statement he was making. He, uh, he looks all funny, but he's all about the politics. Huh. I didn't know that. I just kept a wide berth. <laughs> Should have kept a wide berth. <laughs> it was kind of funny because it was about three degrees and everyone was wearing two jumpers and gloves and a hat and lots of clothes and he was running around in nothing. Ah, <laughs> uh, crazy cowboys. Um, so what did you do in your time in New York? Uh, many things, including my birthday, um, which was the second day there. Um, we did pretty much everything i think no that's definitely not true um we went up the empire state building um which you want to do um on a clear day and we didn't um yeah don't go up on a cloudy day because you can't see much and it's ridiculously cold at the top um we walked through Times square about a hundred times um walked through central park and had the traditional horse and carriage ride which was definitely cool um 
probably would go for the shorter one. There's two you can get, um, the longer one and the shorter one. I'd go for the short one. Um, went up to the Guggenheim and basically went everywhere, down to Wall Street, um, you name it, Bloomingdale's. Sex <laughs> <laughs> favourite shop now? Uh, not mine, but I think Sarah would like to live there, yeah. <laughs> um, Sarah is your wife. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so if you were recommending New York to other people, uh, other travellers, how long would you tell them to go for? Uh, we were there for seven days and, um, yeah, definitely was a good length. I wouldn't go for any shorter than that um, because there's just so much to do. Um, but also you could, you couldn't, it's really a place you need to visit more than once, I think, because any longer than seven days and it feels like you've been there a long time. Um, but there's more than you can see in seven days. So it's really a place you're going to have to come back to more than once, I think. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I went for six when I went and it was nowhere near enough time to do everything that I wanted to. Um, Um, I've never been to Washington, as I said before. Um, and I'm curious, why did you find it so interesting and fun? Well, um, after being in the hustle and bustle of New York, um, we caught the train to Washington, which is only about two hours away, which is a lot closer than I realized at the time. Um, just a quick trip down the coast through Philadelphia. Um, but Washington is an amazing place because after being in the hustle and bustle of the crowds, it's just big open spaces, um, big monumental size buildings um just um i suppose it's a completely different atmosphere um lots of museums and galleries more than you'll ever be able to see in your lifetime probably um and yeah it's really good place the smithsonian that's in washington isn't it yeah smithsonian they own pretty much all of the museums um yeah, and the Aerospace Museum, which was there. One of my favourite things to do um, and definitely would recommend is they have the Capital Bike Share bikes everywhere. Uh, and we got a couple of bikes on one of the days and we were riding up and down the mall. And because it's such a big place and everything's so spread apart, I definitely would recommend getting the bikes. Um, and you can see so much more of what's going on as well. Uh, that was a definite highlight for me, riding the bikes up and down. And yeah. Cool. Um, and how long were you in Washington again? Uh, technically three days, but um, the first day we arrived there in the evening and the, and the last day we left at lunchtime, so really two in one whole day, I suppose. Yeah. Was it enough? Uh, no. To see everything, no. We ended up um, probably only going to about two of the museums, but the whole mall is lined with museums, um, and there's also many other things to see in the city which we didn't get to. Um, so earlier when we were talking, you were telling you about uh, when you landed in LA, uh, you saw a festival or a parade, um, ended up being the Thanksgiving parade. I oh, know, it was actually the um, Hollywood Christmas parade. I looked it up afterwards. Oh, yeah. excellent. Yeah. Um, how was that? Well, it was kind of surreal um, arriving in Hollywood and um, uh, staying in the Redbury, which would highly recommend, by the way, hotel which is adjacent to Capitol Records. Um, 
uh, amazing hotel, um, but quite inexpensive and and very good service. But um, it's right next to Hollywood Boulevard, and we got there just in time to see them setting up for this parade, um, which turned out to be full-blown American massive marching bands, big floating balloons with people holding them on strings parade. So it was kind of like one that you'd see in the movies. So that was an exciting thing to stumble upon and would definitely recommend trying to coincide your visit with seeing one. I might try and do that next time. Yeah. Um, And can you tell everyone about Kermit? Because I find this story hilarious. Ah, Kermit. Um, One of the giant blow-up balloons. Um, They're significantly large, held down by about 20 people on strings. And uh, the way Hollywood Boulevard is, it has traffic lights that sort of lean over the top of the road and the balloons sort of have to navigate their way around um, the lights, and most of them did a fairly good job of avoiding them, And uh, except for when Kermit came along. Uh, he managed Kermit the Frog, by the way, everyone. <laughs> yeah, Kermit the Frog. Um, giant green floating frog. Um, went straight into the light pole, um, tangled up all around it, thousands of people lining the street cheering and yelling, uh, and, and the people on the strings were absolutely panicking and thinking, how are we going to get this thing off? And they finally managed to untangle it, but, yeah, we were thinking it was going to go down for sure. (laughs) I love that story. (laughs) Um, So you were in L.A. for five days? Yeah, five days. Um, What else did you do in your time in L.A.? Uh, We spent a day at Universal Studios, which was really cool, Um, getting the tour of the backlot. Um, that was definitely the highlight of Universal Studios, going on the backlot tour, seeing all the sceneries for all the movies that they make and all of the episodes that you see on TV, like Bones um, and whatnot, seeing sets that they use on the show. Um, So that was cool. We spent a day walking around the city, uh, went to see um, the Disney Concert Hall, um, Frank Gehry Building. Um, That's definitely worth seeing. It's pretty crazy-looking building, beyond belief, really, how that comes together. Even for non-architects? Jake's an architect, by the way. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, it's like something out of a sci-fi movie. It's definitely worth seeing um, the way that it's put together. Some good photo opportunities too around the building. Um, you can get some good vistas from the city um, because you can climb stairs up to the upper heights of the building, um, which aren't um, locked. You can just walk up there and you can get a pretty good view of the city from there. Um, and we walked around the city too, just downtown LA, um, which some sections I wouldn't recommend. Uh, we we didn't really know what we were doing and we were walking around the place and we ended up in some really dingy, grungy um, downtown back streets and, yeah, um, try and avoid those if you can. <laughs> Scary people down there. <laughs> yep. Um, what else did we do? We... Oh, the, the hotel, the Redbury, um, actually has a car which will take you anywhere within a certain distance of the hotel for free, which was cool. So we actually got a chauffeured BMW to Universal Studios and back. Um, So that was handy, not having to get taxis and getting to show up in style and whatnot. Um, We went to Beverly Hills, um, all of the couture shops, obviously, high fashion. Uh, My wife is quite into it. Um, So um, we went there, and I was also glad to see that there was a McLaren car showroom and Ferraris, and I've never seen so many Land Rovers and Mercedes driving around on the streets before. Um, yeah, that was a pretty crazy little thing. It's like 
um, LA sort of feels like, uh, I suppose, your average city, but then you go into Beverly Hills and it's sort of going into fairy tale land where everything looks um, very expensive and kind of out of this world. Yeah. Although there are some nice um, restaurants around in the Beverly Hills, just a few blocks off of the main street. Um, we found a really nice Italian restaurant, which was pretty inexpensive and really good. So I've never had any desire to go to LA. Um, I prefer to go to San Francisco. Um, so should I go there next time I'm in the States? I think going to Santa Monica Pier alone is worth going to LA. Um, I reckon Santa Monica Pier was probably the highlight of LA for us. Um, we went there and we arrived. It's about probably 25-minute uh, yeah, taxi ride out of the city. Um, and we arrived there just on dusk and it was amazing seeing the sunset over the ocean and then um, going to the shops which are around there. So that was pretty cool. Um, I don't think I would spend five days in LA again. Um, it's probably something that you could do in three days. Yeah, I wouldn't go for more than three days. Fair enough. Unless you're planning on taking a detour to Las Vegas. Which I did. Yeah. Well, not that I went to LA, but <laughs> I kind of love Vegas. Um, so after you were in the States for two weeks, you went over to England, um, where your wife is from, and spent Christmas with her family. Um, what else did you do while you were over there? Yeah, we... Uh... We spent, uh, I, it was interesting for me because I got to meet a whole bunch of Sarah's family that I haven't met before, cousins and aunties and uncles and whatnot. And we actually went up to meet um, some of them. We were staying at Sarah's parents' house, which is in Basingstoke, which is about 45 minutes south of London. Um, but for Christmas, we went um, up to a place called Barry St Edmunds, which is uh, a little bit north of London, I suppose, um, out into the countryside, they had a nice little um, cottage, um, so that was um, fun. Definitely, when you're in England, you have to go out into the countryside because it's so picturesque. Think Lord of the Rings, Hobbit village style thing. Um, everything is very um, fairy tale land and cute, and very old. Um, Barry St Edmunds has some ancient ruins of old abbeys and. Um, something I'd recommend is going out to a bed and breakfast. You've got to get a, a good one because you can find dodgy ones. Um, but um, if you get a good bed and breakfast, it's the best. Um, they take you in um, to like an old um, country house style and they cook you breakfast and um, it's really nice to be living in the countryside. Um, we also did the typical shopping thing, spent a few days in London um, running around doing the sights, um, going to the uh, British Imperial War Museum. That's definitely worth seeing. Um, if you're into that sort of thing, the aeroplanes and the history and um, the history of the London bombing raids and all that sort of thing. Um, we went down to Southampton, um, which is, for anybody that knows about ships, is um, Titanic Port of Call, um, and they have some really good history down there. And there's also a uh, um, Second World War uh, aeroplane museum uh, in Southampton, which is awesome. Um yeah, there's a train also, the, the main train that goes around the country. From There's one that goes from Southampton to London quite quickly, and that's definitely the best way of getting around if you don't have your own car. Excellent. Um, 
My sister recommends Bath a lot. Did you head down there by any chance? This holiday, no. Uh, I went to Bath four years ago when I was in London. Oh, sorry, the UK last. And yeah, the the history there is crazy um, with the Roman um, buildings and the spas and the, um, just the architecture around the area alone is amazing to look at. Yeah, definitely worth going there. And what about Stonehenge? I hear mixed reports about Stonehenge. Well, I went there too, but very briefly. Um, only bothered looking at it from a distance. Um, I don't know if it costs money to get there now. Uh, we went there again on our trip that was four years ago, um, but uh, it costs money to get in then, and it definitely wouldn't have been worth paying the price because you can see it from the road. Um, yeah, it's all right, I suppose. It's pretty much exactly what you'd expect. You drive out and there are rocks in a field, and that's <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> Sweet, I can hate that. <laughs> um, did you hit up any of ye oldie pubs? Uh, things? <laughs> yes, the whole pub culture there is a little bit different um, to here. Um, it's more usually family-orientated. Go there for lunch, Sunday lunches, uh, or you your cooked roast dinner or whatever, um, but you often find lots of families and kids in there, so it's a, a whole different scene. Um, yeah, we were, um, Sarah's parents took us out to a number of different ones all over the countryside. Yep, there's, there, a lot of them are fairly similar, I suppose. Yep. <laughs> yeah, English pubs are my favourite. Um, so I just got married recently too, so I'd like to know what you think of this question, but... Um, how is it travelling with your wife for six weeks? Um, well, I suppose the first question would be, um, you're going to have to have a good travelling wife. <laughs> um, you, definitely, you. <laughs> you definitely want to uh, do what your wife wants to do and not forget that wife wants to do things that are different to you <laughs> um, because otherwise I would just stay in the museums all the time and the wife wants to go shopping and not in the museums. So it's a bit of give and take, but, um, yeah, it would be a thousand times better than going by yourself. Um, it's it's just better to spend a holiday with someone and to be able to talk about it with someone who was there with you. So, yeah, definitely the best. Excellent. I just have to remember to... Um not take photos all the time and spend time with her. That's my <laughs> thing. <laughs> or take photos of her. That works too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could do that. Um, so, uh, do you have any more trips planned for the future? Well, we were actually joking about that on the aeroplane um, on our 22-hour hour flight back from London where you have plenty of time to think about everything in your life. Um, yes, um we're talking that next time we want to go and visit her friend in Hong Kong um, and um, hopefully stop off in Shanghai, possibly to see the Formula One. Ooh. And uh, depending on if we can get leave at that time of year, I suppose. And also making a stop off in Dubai on our way to the UK again. Definitely going back to the UK, um, obviously, to keep in touch with all the family. But um, going to fly into Dubai um, check out the architecture and, and the whole culture and also probably drive up to Abu Dhabi, which is just up the coast, and um, hopefully stay in the hotel, which is on the side of the Formula One track, which is amazing and a lot cheaper than what it should be for what it is to stay at. Are there, do you know if the hotels in Dubai are kind of like Vegas? They're just cheap because they want you in there? 
Uh, well, um, not having been there, I wouldn't know. But um, if I had to take a guess, I'd say that because they're both in deserts and away from normal population, um, that's probably a good assumption, yeah. Sweet. Um, well, I think that's about it. Um, did you want to say anything else to any of the listeners out there? You've got to go to New York. If you don't go to New York in your life, you haven't seen everything. You just have to go there. Um, and if you can, um, Washington's only two-hour train ride down the coast. Um, definitely go there, um, even if it means flying into New York and then flying back out from Washington. Um, spend a few days there. It's definitely worth seeing. The scale of the buildings and, and the grandeur of everything is just... It's, everything is just bigger than what you could believe. Um, yeah, but New York, see New York. I, I would have to agree. I'm I'm not a big fan of cities, but New York was one of my favourite cities, or is my favourite city in the world, I think. So I agree with Jake, head to New York. Um, so I, I think that's about it. We may as well wrap it up there. Um, so thanks so much, Jake, for taking the time to have a chat and no worries. being on the show. My pleasure. So that was my interview with Jake. Um, so thanks very much, Jake, for being on the show. Um, it was a fun chat, and I hope you all enjoyed it. I think this is uh, about as good a time as any to wrap up the show for this episode. If you have any questions or feedback about anything I talked about today on the show, um, you can send me an email, podcast at weswanders.com all the links for the stories I spoke about today so the uh, Thailand Cambodia visa scheme and the stories on Harry Fish and the National Geographic competition uh, those links will be in the show notes so if you head to podcast.weswanders.com forward slash two for episode two um so that will redirect you uh, most likely i've just gone into syndication with uh, jelly style media uh, one of my mates uh, and he also does a podcast uh, jelly and bean it's called uh it's a podcast about um geek and geek culture and tech stuff so if you're interested in that stuff uh check them out on itunes uh that's jelly and bean um my website podcast section should redirect to there. Um, so if it doesn't, just send me an email, podcast at weswanders.com. Uh, let me know and we'll fix that up. Um, so he also designed my new artwork that you'll see in the album cover there. Uh, it's pretty cool. So in the show notes, I have also included links back to uh, my travel and photography blog if you want to check that out whereswanders.com uh, there's also a link to the newsletter uh, if you'd like to sign up for that I am hopefully releasing a short photography ebook uh, with some of my favourite photos from I think I'll do it from Japan um, hopefully I'll be releasing that in the next few weeks and if you're part of my newsletter uh, you will get it a week before anyone else can. Um, and that will be free. Um, 
Also, in the show notes, I've included links to uh, my Twitter. Uh, but if you just want to add me on Twitter, I'm at Wes, W-E-Z, and the number seven. So, at Wes7. Or you can like me on Facebook, uh, www.facebook.com forward slash Wes Wanders. Uh, that's my Facebook fan page. Also, hopefully next episode, I will be answering some listener questions. So if you have any questions that you'd like to ask me or like to ask the show or anything like that, again, uh, podcast at weswanders.com is my email. So just send me a question there and I'll answer it on the podcast next episode. So stay tuned as on next episode, I'll be talking about the Lonely Planet top 10 lists. Uh, A few of them come out now, so I'll chat about those. But until then, happy traveling.